It's Tuesday, June 1st, 2010, and you've got Oz in your ears. I'm here on the shore of the Gulf Coast for Radio Free Oz, talking with Charles Dunder, the latest member of Obama's Gang of Five sent down here to solve the oil spill crisis. Uh, you've just arrived, haven't you, Charles? Yes, I replaced Professor Katz, uh, you know, the astrophysicist, when it was revealed that he was a virulent homophobe and a climate change denier. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. So, but so w- what do you add to the team? Then? Well, I run the Petro Nutritional Institute back at Solid State University. I'm down here investigating a sustainable solution to the well, the massive loss of fish and shellfish that's going on right here at our feet as we speak. Uh, petro-nutrition. I'm not familiar with that field. Oh, well, it's relatively new. You know, it didn't take off until we got the whole petrophilic nano-cloning process down. Excuse me? Well, sorry, uh, Mr. Oz. Simply put, given the right start to genes chain-ganged polymers and robust steroids, we can create a host of creatures that not only survive in oil-saturated water, but, well, they really thrive on it. Oh, mm-hmm. Is uh, is that one of them, that thing you're holding in your hand? looks looks vaguely like a shrimp. Yes, yes, exactly. We call it the slick shrimp, and, and yes, it does thrive in oil-polluted wetlands just like these. Uh, now, you throw a million slick shrimp scats <laughs> the little fellas are called when they come out of the test tube, no bigger than a puppy seed. <laughs> and a month later, well, they're as big as, as Buster Hare, <laughs> ready to be flavored and sent off to market. You want to try one? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, it's a little chewy. Oh, that's the that's the polymer filling. How does it taste? Uh, tastes like pork. Yeah, yeah. Pork flavored slick shrimp. One of my one of my favorites. It's uh, it's Pan Asian. You know. let, let let me have it back. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. Oh, now you see. Watch this. I I just dip it in the degreaser and watch as it springs back to life. You could rub a little of this on it. All right, here you are again. Now give it a try. Mmm. Now that tastes like jumbo bayou scampi, the real thing. Oh well, they're all the real thing. <laughs> well, <clears throat> and that should over real good with the green crowd. I mean, you can re-eat them up to a dozen times, we believe, before the steroid skeleton breaks down and, well, they just turn to mush. It's a reasonable short-term solution, Charles, but I, I can't wait for the real shrimp to return. Oh, 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 return? Well, Uncle Pete, that hole in the ocean floor is spewing some 200,000 gallons of oil a day. Oh, great grandchildren will be waiting for these little shrimp to return. Now, so, now let's get real. I've got this oil-happy catfish here. You only have to put a match to it, like this. Ooh! <laughs> See? He's sautéed and ready to serve. <laughs> this is Peter Bergman for Radio Free Oz in the Gulf, and I want to go home. <laughs> he could never go home. Yeah, Radio Free Oz here on RadioFreeOz.com. And yeah, Dave, Dave Osmond, my co-host. I'm Peter Bergman, your host. And Dave, yes. I guess you never can go home. Oh, my. No, I wouldn't want you. Would, there are some places you don't want to go home to, I guess, now, or can't go home to, or can't get away from your home once you're there because, you know, it's like... Uh, well, I got those roads down there in the bayou that have asphalt on top 
you know, the roads. Yeah. Now yeah. they got asphalt on top of the asphalt on top of the roads. That makes things very sticky for traveling down there. Well, know? it's sticky everywhere, you know, and, and, and people are walking the beaches, cleaning them up, wearing hazmat suits. It's a, you know, it's going to be the new postcard that's saying, wish you were here. There's three or four people in those bright yellow hazmat suits with the whole hoods on picking up dead, oily fish and ducks. You know, Those so, are absolutely you know. going to sell that's a great market. Get in on it as soon as you can. It's right, the new right. Louisiana. You yeah. know, like, get with it. It's slick. The smell reminds me of New Jersey. I didn't have to leave home to smell like New Jersey. <laughs> Look, all you have to do is is promote it as being cool. You know, that's all you do. Do a couple of shows on it. Bring Lost back and have them start undersea or something like just Well, wash up on the shore of Mississippi down there along with a couple of, you know, a couple of barrels of... What do they call them? Oil balls. Oil balls? Well, they ought to have an oil ball. And they ought to bring, you know, all people ought to come down and be able to dress as creative anachronists, you know, like ducks before the oil. Or they could, some of them could pretend to be like, oh, I don't know, dead workers from the platform return. I kind of think that, uh, you know, uh, they should dress like they did on the in the old plantation days. Yeah. You know, back in when the, you know, <clears throat> when the, the, the wind, you remember... That old Confederate wind, kind of like the oil. Yeah. Blue hard, blue yeah. ugly. Blue right? ugly, blue strong. Blew the country apart. There you go. Well, more news about BP, our favorite rogue international corporation. Employees on the Deepwater Horizon drilling rig missed several signs that there were problems with oil drilling below the surface in the hours leading up to the explosion, a preliminary BP investigation showed. About an hour before the explosion, abnormalities began to surface, probably with dead fish along with them. 51 minutes before the disaster, more fluid was flowing out of the well than was being pumped in, a sure sign that something is... Wrong. Ten minutes later, when the pump was shut down, the well continued to flow and the pressure increased. And 18 minutes before the explosion, unusual pressure was evident and the pump was shut down, indicating perhaps the crew may have tried to stop the disaster. That's good news. Five hours before the disaster, there were also signs of leaks. And... Uh, three hours later, the pump gained three times more barrels of liquid than usual. There was a significant pressure differential between the shutoff line and the drill, what they now call a fundamental mistake. The report, which was presented to the House Energy and Commerce Committee, also showed that cement work, presumably done by Halliburton, failed to hold back hydrocarbons. Halliburton. Ah, Dick Cheney's little private preserve. There were also procedural problems where operators may not have followed procedures to test the blowout preventer. We did work on that before and found that they did the test, they just fudged them. The blowout preventer, the fail-safe mechanism that many lawmakers blame for the disaster, may have not been tested properly, according to the report, and several functions of the mechanisms also may have failed. You know, um, I did a little research on BP. They were thoroughly involved with the Exxon Valdez disaster. And according to one report, 90% of all oil-related problems, oil drilling-related problems in uh, in the greater United States, 
are connected one way or another with BP. Now, BP is the company, and they fooled me. I got to tell you, they did. They did this big campaign starting about four or five years ago where they, they changed their logo, made it all green. They said, we're not an energy company. We're a future company. And they showed all these pictures of all the good things they were doing. And I actually, the spin doctor spun me. I read the stuff, good copy. I thought, well, here's a company that gets it. They know that the oil's only there so long. It's a wasting resource that they're going to lead us into a new energy, a new energy world. They get it. Well, they didn't get it. They just got the best possible lying Madison Avenue scum suckers to fool intelligent people like me. I was taken, and now I'm going to take it back. Well, in our race around the world, looking for news, odd stories from odd places, where have you landed now? It's good you say odd places, because according to the American ethos, all places but here are odd, right? Well, of course. Yeah. Well, this is England. I got this from some English Uh, newspaper, and it's by this guy guy named Shane Harris, who Mm -hmm. wrote The Watchers, The Rise of America's Surveillance State. But now we're going to talk about England. Nicholas Clegg is the new deputy prime minister of the United Kingdom. That's because they have this now power sharing, right, where the the conservatives have a coalition government with the liberals. Well, it appears that that both of them are setting, you know, policy, that they're working together. And it's it's quite sweeping. He set the, the bar high for his political reform agenda. In a recent speech, Clegg unveiled what he called a power revolution, a fundamental resettlement of the relationship between the state and the citizen. To kick it off, he took aim at the UK's pervasive security apparatus, a network of thousands of video cameras, a national DNA database, and an aggressive domestic intelligence service. If he makes good on his plans, it will indeed mark a fundamental shift in the constant tension between security and personal liberty, and it could have consequences on this side of the pond, we being this side of the pond. Supporters of enhanced surveillance must offer, he said, a better argument for why, in that constant tug-of-war between security and liberty, we should come down so heavily on the side of measures that do so little to stop acts of violence. He said, this government is going to transform our our politics so that the state has far less control over you and you have far more control over the state. The government and the culture of spying on its citizens, it is outrageous. He said, it is outrageous that decent, law-abiding people are regularly treated as if they have something to hide. My gosh, Pete, I mean, Americans really like that. They like to be treated as if they have something to hide. For one thing, they've most of them got sidearms in the back of their jeans. Yeah, I mean, right, exactly. Is, is that a sidearm in the back of your jeans, or are you just looking for, for immigrants? I mean, you, you know, we, we think not only, well, we hide what we have to hide. The English are great eccentrics. You know, they, got, they don't hide what they got, but we hide, like all these Baptist preachers and ev- evangelicals who are hiding the fact that they're adulterous or homosexual. They hide it. It's part of the fun, it's, or it's certainly part of the ethos of it's America. It's part of, this seems to be part of the American culture to hide who you really are inside uh, the body of, you know, of. of well, during the Second World War, I think they picked the uh, the, the larger bomber, wasn't that the B-27 or 8 or whatever it was? You know, I mean, most guys would like to be just as big as this bomber. Yeah, right. But uh, And then, you know, that only lasted for so long. And 
Uh, now guys want to be as accurate as that missile. That's uh, it. That's but, it. You want to be sharp. Or you as stealthy be... as that drone. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we got stuff to hide. And, and one of the reasons is I think, again, I'm just – this is cheap psychology. But I think we have so much to hide. We have so much that we deny that we just project this onto other people. So now the idea of surveilling everybody, revealing everybody's secrets is, is, is quite attractive. And here comes this guy, Clegg, who's like half the government now saying, no more here, buddy. And, you know, they, they, they have the largest collection of surveillance oh, cameras, there are cameras in the world. cameras everywhere, 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 12 or 15 of them on every corner. But what's so interesting is that a, the conservative party would make a move to decrease security, whereas in this country, the conservative party are the champions of more surveillance, more security, more cameras, and, and, and have a great support team in the American populace who increasingly doesn't mind what they, we, us have to go through just to, just to get on an airplane, which, you know, uh, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. This is from the Orlando Sentinel. And you know, BP stock since the spill has dropped 30%. It's got another 70 to go. And I just can't wait because of stories like this. Well, company BP used a cheaper, quicker, but potentially less dependable method to complete the drilling of the Deepwater Horizon well, according to several experts and documents. Quote, There are clear alternatives to the methods BP used that most engineers in the drilling business would consider much more reliable and safer, said Effie Beck, a Texas A&M University petroleum engineer professor who testified recently before a Senate committee investigating BP's blown-out well in the Gulf of Mexico, which killed 11 people, by the way. He and other petroleum and drilling engineers who reviewed a log of the Deepwater Horizon's activities described BP's choice of well design as one in which the final phase called for a 13,293-foot length of permanent pipe called casing to be locked in place with a single injection of cement that can often turn out to be problematic. Well, it did turn out to be problematic. It may be the end of the Gulf of Mexico. I'd call that problematic. A different approach, more commonly used in the hazardous geology of the Gulf, involves installing a section of what the industry calls a liner, then locking both the liner and a length of casing in place with one or often two cement jobs that are less prone to failure. Did BP do that? I guess not. The BP well, quote, is not a design we would use, said one veteran deep water engineer who would comment only if not identified because of his high profile company's prohibition on speaking publicly about the April 20 explosion aboard the Deepwater Horizon or the oil spill that started when the drilling rig sank two days later. He estimated that the liner design used nearly all the time by his company is more reliable and safer than a casing design by a factor of tenfold. So BP put us tenfold at risk. But that engineer and several others said that had BP used a liner and casing, it would have taken nearly a week longer for the company to finish the well, with the rig costs running at $533,000 a day and additional personnel and equipment costs that might have run the tab up to a million dollars daily, which is what they suck out of the sea anyway and more. 
Investigators and Congress already have honed in on a series of suspected instances of recklessness or poor maintenance aboard the Deepwater Horizon, looking, for example, at why the well's blowout preventer failed. Yeah, because they used a cheap preventer and they didn't check it out and they faked the results. These people are criminals. Those instances taken together may have weakened the rig's defenses and fueled the rig explosion, which killed 11 workers and caused the biggest offshore drilling spill in U.S. history. Well, at least we made the books. Engineers interviewed by the Orlando Sentinel said it's common knowledge among drillers operating in the Gulf of Mexico that final cement jobs rarely are perfect and often badly flawed. That's a key reason, they said, why many of them rely on a liner to complete a well. It offers more options for injecting, testing, and repairing cement, and so is more effective at keeping petroleum under control, which is what you're supposed to do. But BP spokesman Toby O'Dorn in Houston said the London-based company chooses between the casing and liner methods on a, quote, well-by-well basis, and that the casing-only method is not uncommon. What is not uncommon is for lying spin doctors like Toby Adoni and his masters to try and flummox us, to try and somehow point the blame somewhere else. These people are going down.
Hannah Seligson tells us that rare is the study that unites cougars and gold diggers. But according to recent numbers from the Max Planck Institute of Demographic Research in Germany, women who marry much younger men and women who marry much older men have something in common. Both groups suffer an increased risk of death. But women who date much younger men get successful series on TV. For younger women with older husbands, life expectancy can be both the cause and the effect. When a younger woman marries an older man, he is more likely to die before she does, says psychologist Dr. David Eigen. And we know that when one spouse dies, the other is more likely to die within a few years. Younger women are particularly at risk when it comes to kicking the bucket soon after their older husband dies because they tend to be more financially dependent on him. After the death of a spouse, there's the greater possibility women will suffer financial hardship, which can weigh on a person, says Eigen. Even if your older husband is keeping you active, it might not be the right kind of active, he says. Women who marry older men often become caregivers, and caregiving is stressful and can shorten a woman's lifespan by about 25%. So no good deed goes unpunished. So, trading your aging husband for a younger, fresher face and increase your longevity in the process. Yes, no. Unfortunately, it's not that simple. The studies researchers say the age gap cuts both ways and that even women who marry the strapping young mountain biker, the so-called cougars, may see their risk of death increase as well. A 2000 study by AARP found that 34% of all women over 40 in the survey were dating younger men and 35% preferred it to dating older men. They just aren't dating the right older man. Mendel says that women in these relationships are put under a particular strain when it comes to aging and body image, even more so than women who are married to men of their own age. It's true. You know, if you're if, yeah, you're marrying some guy 20 years, you're junior, you got to be, you know, you got to remain a hot, hard body all your life. And there's only so much plastic surgery and meditation can do. When your husband is young and your body is changing, you are more stressed and insecure than the average woman. Stress is an inflammatory process which causes cardiovascular problems and has been implicated in many disease processes as well as exacerbating symptoms. This can also lead older women to exercise addiction and severe dieting, both of which are deadly. So, you know, if you're going to get married, you know, five years on either side, 10 is okay. I think 10 is just about right. I think the guy should be about 10 years older, particularly when it's me. Well, our Radio Free Oz microphones were down there in Florida, and we caught, uh, well, it wasn't exactly a sound. It was sort of, how would you describe it, a kind of a, a sort of the sound that it would make when you hugged a guy with you know, a nice guy. Well, actually, it was Governor Christ and, and the president. Yeah, Governor Christ, who was a Republican, but not radical enough for the right wing. So they took all their support away from them, away from including people that he supported when they ran, you know, and then they ran this other guy. And now he's become an independent and uh, he's taking Democratic votes away because he's kind of an interesting guy. One of the things they hated about him most was that when the president came down to offer stimulus money to the state of Florida, he hugged him. He gave him what Chris would uh, call. That's what we caught on Mike. Yes, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, a man hug. It was all about stimulus money. Mm-hmm. I, he said, I took a lot of grief from the Republicans just for being decent to the president of the United States of America, who was bringing us a lot of money. I'm a common sense guy. We needed it. As a result of taking it, we saved 87,000 jobs in the state of Florida. By the way, there is statistics out now that the stimulus is working. That actually, it, it, it put 2.8 million people back to work. 
Yeah, it actually is working. Keynes was right. You can pump prime part of the economy, part of the time. So he says, I can't imagine what governor would have the lack of common sense to say to the federal government when they're handing out money, I don't want to take it. Let's give it to Alabama or Georgia or somebody else. Shoot, a lot of money that, that went up there. It's yours. That gives you some insight on how I think about issues. So after the speech, Chris gave Obama a man hug. Right, which was totally, totally freaky for the teabag crowd, says Chris. That's, that's how I was raised. You're supposed to be respectful to other people, particularly the president of the United States of America. Now, it hasn't hurt him in the state because now, as a, according to a, a latest poll of the Miami Herald, he's ahead in the three-way race, you know? Ah, is he the best-looking guy? He's a real good-looking guy. He's you know he's, he's the guy that looks like a leader. You know, white hair and 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 you know, kind of good features. And it turns out he's pretty straight. Oh, oh. He's in the right trend. Uh, there's a new poll from Quinnipiac. Remember, we played Quinnipiac College in, uh, in, in Connecticut. College. Yes, okay. we did. Yes, yeah, yes. Man, that's okay. right. That's where the floor was covered with beer. But that's another world, another talk. But they have, they do these big polls, and they find that American voters now prefer Democrats over Republican. Republicans for this year's midterm elections, 42% to 36%, reversing a 44 to 39% Republican lead just two months ago. So they were five points ahead, and now they're six points behind. That's dropping 11 points in two months, and didn't I say so, right? You have. You have said so. You've held out for this. I hope, uh, of course, I hope you're right. Well, I know I'm right. The poll also finds that 48% of American voters approve of the job President Obama is doing, while 43% disapprove. It's the first time since December that more voters give him a thumbs up rather than a thumbs down. And so uh, one of the pollsters says, the increase in Barack Obama's job approval is a welcome step for the White House. His ratings have been in no man's land, just below parity for some time. And now the question is whether this is the beginning of an upward trend or just a blip. Yeah. A blip, huh? A blip, just a blip. Well, here's a statistic that might have some bearing on this, Pete. This is last year, yeah. 57% of adults bought at least one book, one print book. Really? 50? 57%. And how many of those were non-books? Okay, go ahead. Well, here's the little factoid that hangs off of this big factoid, uh-huh. which is that was up 1% from 2008. Really? Only 56% of the people, uh, the adults in the United States bought a book. I wonder if that 1% were the ones that went out and bought Sarah Palin's book. What a, what a dismal thought. Well, many years ago, I composed a piece for the Firesign Theater called um, Ben Franklin, Hero or Hophead. And I don't remember exactly where I found or where we all found the background music for it, but a fan on the Radio Friaz Facebook page writes to give me the info. He says that the music comes from the overture to the Chinese ballet Red Detachment of Women, a little piece of cultural revolution nostalgia based on a true story of an all-woman's unit of the Chinese Red Army. Wiki says that after the victory of the revolution in 1949, the members of the unit were personally inspected by Mao Zedong. And I'm sure they were. Remember, Mao Zedong was the one that said he washes himself inside women. Here it is, Ben Franklin, hero or hophead. Think your children are as innocent as a new puppy next door? Well, they know something you don't know. They know that their American forefathers took drugs. And you probably don't even know where your father is. Vladimir Frostlow Films presents 
Ben Franklin, hero for Hophead. I wanted the woods and the Indians to sleep with me, but I was afraid of the cold and made them sleep outside. So I never felt the touch of a warm, naked Indian, or, or in a cold, naked forest. Ben Franklin, the only president of the United States who was never president of the United States. Was he an early drug user? Let's see. He wrote of it in Poor Dick's Conspiracy in 1761, while still an apprentice bookmaker in colonial Philadelphia. So I betook me to the Hashfire Inn for a secret caucus of the hotheads, rebellious libertines all lusting for life and liberty. The real George Washington brought to him, and I the evening papers. We quickly proceeded to get Sarah Meadows and young Tom Everson goodly stretched by the hemp, which smoked us all like Boston scrub. What a fetid fervor of freedom. I say, let's have a revolution. Statement finally, Sam, the tax collector, to which Big Ben replied, Fine, Sam. Then we can invite over a bunch of immigrants and make cars. Yes, 1761. Hemp. Kindled the fires of American history. Down my face 
setting report from Huffington Post. Eduardo Caraballo, a U.S. citizen born in the United States, was detained for over three days on suspicion of being an illegal immigrant. This is an American citizen that can't get himself sprung. It takes him three days to get himself out of this situation. This is just, this is unacceptable. Despite presenting identifying documents and even his birth certificate, Caraballo was held by federal immigration authorities over the weekend and threatened with deportation. He was only released when his congressman, Luis Gutierrez, a vocal supporter of immigration reform, intervened on his behalf. Caraballo was born in Puerto Rico, making him a natural-born citizen of the United States. He moved to the mainland as an infant and now lives in Chicago. Last week, he was arrested in connection with a stolen car in the Chicago suburban area. Caraballo maintains his innocence, but when his mother posted bail last week, he was not freed. Instead of being released, he was told by authorities that Immigration and Customs Enforcement was detaining him because he was an illegal immigrant. Caraballo spent the weekend in the custody of federal immigration agents. When he presented them with ID and his birth certificate, he says officials were skeptical, quote, because of the way I look. I have Mexican features. They pretty much assumed that my papers were fake. Oh, man. Only after his congressman interceded was Caraballo sent free. Representative Gutierrez, a Chicagoan who is himself of Puerto Rican descent, is a longtime advocate of immigration reform. He was one of the first and loudest voices on the Hill to speak out against the Arizona immigration law, and he was recently arrested at a protest demanding fairer treatment for immigrants and their families. Well, here's a good example of exactly what we've got to do. An American citizen with a perfectly fine ID and birth certificate and this and that, but because he looks, he doesn't look like John McCain. So let's hold him for the weekend. If only he could learn to say, finish the dang fence, they'd let him go. It gets worse. 
Gutierrez said in an interview. We know of instances in which young people in the same situation are actually taken to the border and deported from the United States. Not surprisingly, the nine-term Democratic congressman saw a disturbing connection to the situation in the Grand Canyon state. In Arizona, he says, they want everybody to be able to prove they're legally in the country. They want everybody to prove that they're an American citizen. Here we have an American citizen that the federal government could not determine for more than three days his status as an American citizen. It's a very, very, very dangerous ground to tread. So is that all the news from China? Oh, no. China, big country, got lots of news. This out of the Asia Times, by the way. I love the Asia Times. It comes out of Singapore. It's got brilliant columnists. It it, it, it doesn't, uh, you know, like stop you from talking about something important. You just write as long as you want to. All right. You'll oh, see. It's, oh, it's, boy. It's really good. All right. So this, this is from the Asia Times. Okay. It says, prostitution is illegal in China, but the police crackdown recently launched across the country indicate that the world's oldest profession is doing as well as ever. In Beijing, there are reportedly so many jiaojie, that means mistresses, that state media claim their numbers have driven up housing prices. This is Chinese thinking, okay? Yeah, well, the central government is always at work, you know. After efforts to physically and spiritually cleanse Beijing for the 2008 Summer Olympic Games, prostitution has made a big comeback. So much so that municipal police launched a citywide strike-hard vice crackdown in April entitled Operation 411. Operation Four Eleven. It's lucky numbers or something. It's it's okay. another Chinese okay. thing altogether. So okay. Yeah. Coincidentally, in line with central government policy, like you said, the municipal government has also begun taking measures, so far in vain, to bring down the city's skyrocketing, skyrocketing housing prices. Okay, the two crackdowns, right? One on the mistresses and the other on housing prices. Uh, what both social vices uh, seem unrelated. But in a May 14th editorial on the Beijing Evening News, a sister publication of the Beijing Daily, which is the mouthpiece of the Communist Party's Beijing Municipal Committee, which what isn't, made an imaginative <laughs> link between the two. The article argued that a downward turning point in Beijing's property market could be achieved if prostitutes were driven out of the city. Skeptics say the article's flawed reasoning suggests that Beijing authorities are scrambling for a scapegoat for their failure to bring the property market under control. So here's, here's what they're saying. See? The, the, the editorial, they've which got, is... An, they've got 10 million soldiers. They can't break the property market under control? Come I, on. Just I, have them put their guns over their shoulders. Yeah, Jeez. or just send all the send all the landlords off for retraining. They're, but no, don't do yeah, that wouldn't anymore. be the first time. No. Okay, go, go. What is the new China solution? Well, the editorial, I like the name of it. Turning point will come when all mistresses are driven out of Beijing. It sounds like one of those uh, ballets, too. You know, taking the mistresses... Out of Beijing. Out no, of Beijing. I like that. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Estimated yeah. there were two. 200,000 Xiaojie in Beijing. And that's, we that's can a, accommodate that. Yeah. The we article, can do that. We can do that. I yeah. mean, you know, I, I, I like got to tell you some of my Beijing right. stories. I, oh, Beijing. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, two million people in the street. It's an easy light day. The article argues that if the Beijing police kept up their strike-hard crackdown, these mistresses would be forced out of the capital within three months. As a result, an extra 200,000 rental flats would be added to the property market. It'd be a genuine uh, turning point. Prices would come down. Uh, 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 yeah, uh. but after this month-long crackdown, all they did was arrest 1,000 working girls, right? And probably they weren't even mistresses. They were just girls who were working. And probably they only had a bedroom anyway, and bedrooms in China are pretty small. Huh? And look. 
at this rate, it would only take 20 years to clear Beijing of the 200,000 <laughs> And this doesn't account for all the putative Xiaojies coming in from the countryside where they're being displaced by famine and dams that are being built. So it's really hard to say that this is going to work. But, you know, the Chinese, they they they, they got to find somebody to blame it on. You know, they, they can't blame it on the middle class anymore because they killed all of them. They yeah. can't blame it on the on the smart people and the college professors, can they? Can they, can no, they blame they, it on them? No, they try, but that doesn't work anymore because you need them to make all the yeah. all those objects well, and stuff like missiles. Well, there's somebody in, in the central government that you can blame. Well, let, we'll right? find them. Kind we'll of way them. down there, I you know, and their family will be unhappy about it, and but and there'll be pictures in the newspaper, and then they'll disappear. This is from Politico. A bipartisan group of senators will move after the Memorial Day recess on a resolution to block the Environmental Protection Agency's regulation of greenhouse gases. I think the people supporting this cockamamie resolution should use Memorial Day to remember that they represent the people and the planet, not a bunch of smoke-spewing lobbyists. Actually, lobbyists that represent people that spew smoke. But it's real close. Anyway... It's uncertain whether the group will have the votes by the time the resolution comes to the Senate floor around June 10th, but it has stirred concern among environmentalists and the EPA, and no surprise. The disapproval resolution introduced by Senator Lisa Murkowski, she's a Republican of Alaska, both things make her suspect, a Republican, and from Alaska, drill, baby, drill, well, it has 41 co-sponsors, including Ben Nelson of Nebraska, a famous blue dog, Mary Landro of Louisiana, and Blanche Lincoln of Arkansas. Mary, because she's in the state where, of course, you pump until you all die. And Blanche Lincoln is trying to, to run to the right somehow to beat this progressive who is probably going to take her in the primary. It's messy business. The resolution, which is part of the Congressional Review Act, cannot be filibustered or amended. It also would need approval in the House and a presidential signature to go into effect. To pass the Senate, it needs only 51 votes. Well, Murkowski announced the resolution in January saying its aim is to help keep jobs and small businesses alive. That's always the front they use. You know, where there's smoke, there's work. Her issue, she said, was with the EPA and not Congress having control over emission standards. So we want to trust the Congress and all those gravy-sucking dogs to tell us just how clean the air is going to be instead of the EPA, which is filled with uh, experts, bipartisan, uh, what do you call, disinterested experts. No, we want to go to the Congress and put it in the hands of some of these odious characters. We should continue to work to pass meaningful energy and climate legislation, but in the meantime, we cannot turn a blind eye to the EPA's efforts to impose backdoor climate regulations with no input from Congress, Murkowski says. Yeah, I'm the EPA. I'm your backdoor climate regulation, man. When nobody's looking, I'm going to climb in your backdoor window and I'm going to regulate you, baby. But with the vote just two weeks away, the debate has reached a new level. With green groups pushing for the Senate to reject the measure, adding to the pressure is this month's EPA ruling on greenhouse gases. 
The regulatory agency said that beginning July 2011, about a year from now, existing plants that increase greenhouse gas emissions by 75,000 tons annually will be required to get a permit, along with new sources that emit at least 100,000 tons per year. They're going to have to get a ticket. Ooh, that must scare them just must scare the smoke out of them. I think the EPA has acted in a very cautious but wise way in making sure that its standards are only going to apply to the biggest sources of greenhouse gas emissions, said Frank O'Donnell, president of Clean Air Watch. He says, one of the big concerning things about Murkowski's effort is that it's disapproving of rulemaking by the administration, said Kyle Ash, senior legislative representative for Greenpeace. It's not even a matter of preempting the future. It's a matter of rolling back existing regulations. Yeah, that's what they like to do. Special interests really don't care. It's all like, what are we going to do for the next 30 days? What's it going to do for our stock in the next quarter? There's no long term. It's all short term. It's premature evaluation. Ash and other Green Group leaders say they worry that the passage of the resolution will hurt the Clean Air Act. The Supreme Court ruled in 2007 that the EPA had the authority and an obligation to regulate emissions of carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases under that act. Quote, Congress should be moving forward with passing comprehensive clean climate legislation, not moving backwards to take away the existing science out there, said David Doniger, Climate Center Policy Director at the National Resources Defense Council, a good group and a strong group. It's an effort to dismantle the Clean Air Act as a tool to fight global warming. This would put Congress in a position of overturning the science determination that global warming is harmful and influenced by humans. You go. You get us green and keep us green. Well, Peter, this is the first day of the month, and this month of June affords us six Tuesdays. Well, six Wednesdays, too, but I'm going to take advantage of the Tuesdays to introduce a six-part feature here on Radio Free Oz. We know that people's ears are tuned up now to some radio fantasy because we've been not just rapping but bringing in some uh, pieces and Dave Maloney there has been putting in some wonderful sound effects, and all of a sudden, what have we got? we got theater inside your mind. So let's explode a little theater inside your mind for the next six weeks. We're going to bring you short features. These are, you know, certainly under 10 minutes. I mean, you don't have to even get out of your car, you know, really. You can just park there and listen. Uh, we're going to bring you them the first week here, a, um, a version of... Phil Austin's Dick Private, Private Eye, that no one has ever heard. It comes out of the Osmond Archives and uh, is a special put-together production by uh, Phil from his album Roller Maidens from Outer Space. So this is Dick Private like you've never heard it before. In the last powerful days of another way of life, when everything happened in cars, when sullen, desperate men would do anything for a tankful, in the troubled years of the hundred-year gas war and the terrible food insurrection, when armies mixed mustard and gas and relished war, in those frightened times, private citizens often had to do the terrifying work of real police, apprehending criminals and solving tricky moral problems. They had private eyes, but public fists Full tanks, but clean consciences. And tonight's story is only typical. Car Hook, starring Dirk Yogurt as Dick Private, Private Dick. Tonight's chilling story, Roller Maidens from Outer Space. Saturday morning, 
I just locked myself out of the office for a cool weekend that promised to be gin-soaked and hand-rubbed. At least that's what I figured she'd meant when she said, let's get drunk and refinish my furniture. Anyway, it was the way she said it, you know, real husky, like a lead dog in a snow job, and I wasn't about to be left out in the cold. Damnation. Ah, well, I figured it wouldn't hurt just to answer it. A private Seamus is always hungry. I hadn't been exactly flush, and this might just be the ace in the closet that put some pizza in the pantry. Go ahead, something said to me. Answer it, she'll wait. So I did, only to wind up holding the anchovies in more ways than one. Dick Private, Private Detective. Uh, Mr. Private, sir. That's right, pal. Name is a uh, regular Boinklin. Uh, my wife uh, uh, Ethel and I have been opposite you for many years on uh, another network. Oh yeah, the Ethel and Regular Show. I've heard of you. What's the matter? Swallow your car keys? Uh, no. Lock uh, yourself out of the house? No. Want to know how to make an attractive bookend out of a shoebox and a brick? No. That exciting, but uh, 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 look, 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 you gotta get over here. Well, oh, right away. Uh, You're just a couple of channels away. Uh, you can make Nobody it. ever made it before. We all seem to be uh, uh, dreaming the, the same dream. Well, and, that's and there's terrific. There's all these strange balls of light in our neighborhood, and. Hold and it. Glad to. Now hold it up to the light. Oh, okay. He was right. This was serious. Light. Too much light. More light than I'd ever seen. It seemed impossible and just too easy that this amiable Zip had discovered what we'd all been looking for for years. The drain, the big leak, the place where it all goes in and doesn't have to come out. Listen, Boinklin. Oh, yeah? Stay where you are. Too much power means trouble. And trouble is my problem. What? 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 Come to the dark winter motel. Fight over planked Hawaiian gator slabs in the low-profile bone room where despair is only just a swallow away. Yes, even the swallows won't come back here. But if you can, owner John Fresno said... As I got off the overnight flea bag from L.A., the sunset blazed down Main Street like the birds smoking out eight fast bars at Triple Me in the Smoky Club on Broadway. Maybe the pit off 52nd anywhere so long as it wasn't here in this little jerkwater town. That reminded me. Jerk Waters, that yo-yo, he had the tip off that Johnny Fresno was out of the can and holed up in Smallburg with the bread the feds hadn't found from the little bake-off Fresno and his boys pulled in Gotham just before Johnny started sing-singing his jailhouse rocks off, remember? Well, here I was anyway, me, Dick Private, Private Dick, the smartest cookie in Horse Alley, looking up and down Hicks Street for a taxi. Hi, Slim. Say, so why'd you get in? Wow, Ruby lips shapely hips when she walked across the street i'll bet you all the cats flipped what was her game strip poker and everything wild that reminded me strip pokers the detroit hitman he warned me that johnny fresno liked his women rough but this one was making my hard part soft her heavily rouged nipples thrust like uh, highball glasses through a persimmon sweater that uh, looked like a heavyweight watermelon bout her waist was unusually small and laced tight with string cheese there's my first clue, I thought. String cheese, Fresno, Armenians. You see, it all started to add up at the counter, but those twin bulges wouldn't let me check out so soon. Say, Lips, you better start talking to yourself and get in, or maybe we'll see if your rod is any match for this one. It wasn't. I was staring down the barrel at 345s, and that one in the middle looked hungry. I uh, got in slowly like a hipster at a funeral, and she burned some rubber. That sign, it said Channel City, 13 miles. 
13, was that it? Channel 13, it seemed crazy, much too obvious, but it could all be on TV. After all, this was 1956. The future couldn't be far off now. What a crazy driver. But every time I looked down at those eight-inch heels on that bizarre pair of sling pumps pressed to the floorboard, my heart beat so and it scared me to death. Oh, well, I had to shut my eyes anyway with that tree coming straight for us, so I figured she wouldn't even notice if I took a quick look at Channel 13. First, that's right, Nick, and they can see all the confusing action and thrills tonight at halftime when British O'Shaughnessy, the bad girl of TV, challenges little soul sister barbecue ribs of the devils to an Indian death match interview. Oh, look out down in the track. That's Wilmer Firehouse, the toy pig they call him Scooting. That's it. Till another time for the secret adventures of Dick Primate, erect detective. Tonight's story was true, and in a moment, the results of that trial. Well, looks like we're just about the end of another one, Peter. Sure is. That means it's time for Tang. Yes, we're talking about the Tang Dynasty, uh... Five Tang poets, Wang Wei, Li Po, Tu Fu, Li Ho, and Li Shang Yin, all wonderfully translated by a guy named David Young and published, I'm sorry, this is not available anywhere at all. No, actually, it is published uh, by uh, some university, Oberlin College Press. Oh, Oberlin, so very we, close to where I grew up, a really fine We're university. thanking Oberlin for yes. these wonderful translations, and this one is Dawn in stone dawn in stone city the moon's gone down behind the high dike a few crows fly up dew-soaked crimson flowers their cold perfume cures my hangover the woman and the herd boy have forded the sky's river willows filled with mist hide the wall at the corner the departing guest leaves his tassel a pledge to return. She frowns, her green smudged eyebrows meet. Spring curtains of gauze, flimsy as a cicada's wing, a gold-braided bed, the shy flower of sex, willow fluff, shivers on the curtain, cranes down. No words can describe the emotions of spring. Ah, the shy flower of sex and spring. What a fabulous combo. Yeah, that's wrapping it up for Radio Free. I love that tang. David Osman, our co-host. I'm your host, Peter Bergman. The Oz Gang make it happen. John Cummings, ones and zeros. Phil Fountain, all the beautiful graphics. Tom Gedd, Willow, our webmaster. Bill McIntyre produces it all. Dave Maloney records it all here at Blue U Studios. And Scott Wilde, well, he's our social media guru. Catch you tomorrow, because it's still spring. <laughs>